You were never out of the fight. You were created for a time such as this. And you are now preparing to be sent into battle. God is calling you to be his disciple, to be formed in virtue and holiness. He has appointed you as an ambassador of his kingdom. To go and represent him to his people. And he's enlisted you as a soldier of Christ. To be sent out to fight for the good in this world. You were not made to make excuses. time for you to take extreme ownership for your life, for all of your life. It's time to rise up and finally be the man or woman you were created to be. Follow God. Lead others. And never surrender. It is time to begin seeking excellence. All right, everybody, what is going on? This is your boy, Nathan Crankfield, coming at you with another episode of the Seeking Excellence podcast. This is most certainly a, uh, a follow-up to some that I did, I think in November I released them, the Financial Excellence episodes. And so today is going to be Investing 101. And so I am, admittedly, as I said before, not a millionaire. Um, I'm 28 years old. I did go in the last six years or so from having $300 in my bank account to a net worth of over six figures, which I'm very proud of, very excited about. And so today we're going to talk about some of the ways that I did that, aside from just obviously earning income, but some of the ways that I plan and project to have you know, millions of dollars in the future because of investing. And we're going to talk about some of the main routes you can go with that. And today, my main goal is obviously a lot of mindset. I want to inspire you and motivate you with some numbers and stats and things like that, that'll inspire you to actually try investing in your life. But I also want to, um, I also want to take this as an opportunity to be more practical as well and to practically guide you. And how can you actually go and set up an investment account? How can we kind of go through some of these things? And so I'm going to go through a lot of practical stuff today, and I'm very excited to share a lot of this with you. All right. But first I just, you know, I don't, I'm not, I don't get paid for really any of the ads that I do. And I don't really do many ads, but I just want to start, I've started doing a little bit more just in things that I really believe in. And if you're watching on YouTube, um, then you'll get to see this, but I did just post a reel about it uh, a few weeks ago, but man, this word on fire Bible, I really want us to get a copy of the gospels. Um, but Emily and I both got sent a copy of acts letters and revelation, the book of revelation. And man, if you saw my reel about it, if not go back and look at that on Instagram, but just, I mean, just tons of beautiful reflections in here, tons of great wisdom. Um, and then the really crazy thing you can see here on, like I said, if you're watching the video of this, just the beautiful art that we have or, or that they put in here is really incredible. I mean, St. Francis receiving the stigmata, you know, you have stuff on St. Joan of Arc, like they really take in all these things, you know, here's a reflection on the Angelus and when that began and it's really just so much more than a Bible. That's why each one is like the size of a Bible, right? They did one on the Gospels. That's the size of like a full Bible. And then this one, Acts, Letters, and Revelation, it's like the size of a full Bible. So really cool stuff that they're working on. Um, we definitely want to have the whole collection one day. I think that's obviously the goal, and a lot of people will want to do that. Um, so yeah, so that's great. So I just want to talk to you about that. Go on to wordonfire.something. Let me see. What is their website? Wordonfire.org. Wordonfire.org. That's Bishop Barron's jam, you know, Brandon Vaught. They have Jackie and Bobby Angel now um, and a lot of other great people who work for them. So, um, yeah, they're doing wonderful stuff and just highly encourage you to check out that Bible if you're trying to go deeper this year in some scripture, which I highly, highly recommend. Okay, so do that. Do that. All right. Now let's talk about money, 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 money. Let's talk about that bread, dog. Let's talk about this paper. You know what I'm saying? So let me give you a quick overview. So yeah, let's get a little recap. So if you remember, the way I like to break this down as far as finances go is you have an offense and you have a defense, right? It's kind of like being you know, a football team. You need to 
keep the other team from scoring 100 points, right? But you also need to put some points on the board yourself. And I think that a lot of people either really focus on one and ignore the other or vice versa, right? And so what I like to do is you want to compile coaches and mentors in your life. And so you have to acknowledge like who are the best defensive coordinators and offensive coordinators that you can hire for your financial team. And I believe that Dave Ramsey is one of the best uh, defensive coordinators, if you will, of the finance game, because I view budgeting, um, eliminating debt, all of these things that kind of like will run up the score against you as being a, a defensive, you know, defensive concerns, defensive realm, if you will. So that's that. The other thing I think is, uh, you know, or just going along with that, Dave Ramsey, let's review his uh, seven baby steps that he gives as well. Okay, so you can kind of see here that in the in the baby steps is almost this shift in defense to offense. Now, I'm not saying that Dave Ramsey doesn't talk about having a good offense because he does, but he's definitely more conservative in his offense and is a more defensive minded coach. He's kind of like Bill Belichick, right? He's not going to, or if you think of like a basketball team, like he's a defensive coach. He's not necessarily worried about putting up 100. He's just trying to keep the other team from doing so. So baby step number one is save $1,000 for your starter emergency fund. He gives some crazy stats on his book, um, in his book, Total Money Makeover, and a lot of other books that there's like some, I think it's like 40 some percent of Americans don't have like $1,500 saved in their bank account. And it's like, that's insane. When the poverty rates less than 10% and 45% of, of people don't have $1,500 or $1,000 saved, like that's a serious problem. And that's a spending problem oftentimes. It's a, it's a financial discipline. It's a behavioral problem, right? It's not really a, an income or um, economic issue. And so baby step number two, yeah, pay off all debt except the house using the debt snowball. I talked about the debt snowball and financial excellence. Baby step three is save the three to six months of expenses in a fully funded emergency fund. So this is what I used to call a loss of income fund. So this is if you lose your income, then you can be covered, right? So three to six months of expenses. So you don't have to have this like constant worry if you lose your job. And in today's world, it's also really helpful because there's so many moral conundrums that come oftentimes with losing your job as well. And so you know, we are not moral conundrums that come from losing your job, but moral, there's a lot of moral issues that could cause you to want to leave your job. And if you don't have any money saved up to be able to live for a bit while you look for a new job, then you're going to be more inclined to like bend your morals and actually stay in this, this job or workplace that is unhealthy or is immoral. Baby step number four is where you shift the offense, invest 15% of your household income in retirement. Baby step five is save for your children's college fund. Also a great, great effort. Great thing to do. Baby step six is to pay off your home early. Baby step seven is to build wealth and give. Now, Dave Ramsey, just like me, encourages giving the entire time. If you remember from financial excellence part one, the first thing I talk about setting up is your tithe and striving to tithe for 10%. Yes, that includes millennials. Yes, that includes Gen Z, everybody. Okay. So uh, understandably, there's going to be times where maybe you won't tithe that much. And all of these things will have their ebbs and flows, right? Like I feel like sometimes when it comes to finances, people want to turn their brains off and they don't want to actually have to use critical thinking. And they just want somebody to give them all the answers and just do things that, you know, just make it as easy as possible. And it is actually a lot easier than people think, but it's never going to be the level of ease that you want it to be, right? Nothing in life is, nothing that's worthwhile. How do you, like, it's amazing how we have this kind of balance in our world where some people think that becoming a millionaire is just a uh, result of chance and luck and privilege and somebody's race or gender. And the other people think that it's going to be incredibly easy, right? That you can get rich quick or that it's just like really simple. It doesn't take a lot of sacrifice, but we both, we know that both of those are not true. Right. And so that's what we want to fight against. And you want to kind of find that median, right? You want to find that middle range where you're like, it is possible for me to become a millionaire, for me to retire comfortably um, and to be successful, but it's not super easy, right? It can be simple, but not easy. Dave also says, you know, all the time that uh, becoming financially successful, becoming wealthy is 10% head knowledge, 90% behavior. So if you're not willing to change your behavior, then whatever you're going to learn here today, reading books or whatever, is not going to actually matter because you're not going to actually change your behavior, which is going to be the big thing that's going to make the difference in, in the long run. And so you have to think about that as well. I think a lot of people fall into that. It's the same way with diets, right? Like it's a lot more fun to learn about diets than it is to skip the donut after mass or to say no to the drink at the party, right? Uh, or to, you know, go get a salad, go to Panera and get a salad versus going to McDonald's or whatever it might be, right? We all know that, that some things are easier than others, you know? So now I want to talk about compounding interests and what that looks like 
and why you should develop your offense, right? So again, your offense is going to be things like investing um, and increasing your income. To me, those are like the most basic forms of what your offense is because increasing your income allows you to increase the amount that you have to invest. Uh, and it can be a good thing to do. Now, the challenge with that can be sometimes of, especially in the Catholic world, is if you truly do discern your um, vocation, then sometimes you have to be creative of how you're going to increase your income, right? Because if we were just a secular, if this is just a secular money-making podcast, then you could say, yeah, you know, if you're in a job that doesn't make a lot of money, let's say you're a teacher, then go and, uh, you know, become a doctor or become a, get into sales or become a real estate agent or whatever it might be, right? Find something that'll make you more money. But because we're talking about discernment here, um, I'm not going to tell you just go get another job uh, and, and leave, leave the kids, you know, prank a lot of kids. So I'm not going to tell you to abandon the children. But what are you doing in your summer times? What are you doing in your weekends, long weekends, things like that? Like you can find little side hustles. There's been plenty of stories I've heard about between Bigger Pockets podcast or Dave Ramsey or all these other people who I listen to who talk about teachers who start like uh, tutoring businesses and they actually have other teachers working for them in the summertime, after school, whatever, uh, in these tutoring businesses. So there's, there's so many different things you can do if you're creative and you actually pray about it and discern it and, and start to think of how can I actually increase my income? Right. So we want to think about that. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about compound interest. So compound interest, for those of you who do not know, is basically thinking of, you know, it's making it, it's utilizing compound interest is basically shifting from going from, I'm just going to save money and let it pile up and let inflation basically destroy it, especially if we keep voting for Democrats. But it's also, uh, you know, it's the opposite of that is putting it into, let's say, for example, the stock market, right? And the example that people often give is like the S&P 500, where you're going to uh, see a certain percentage of return. I think it averages anywhere between eight to 12% a year, right? Usually around 10%. Um, and some years there's losses and some years there's gains, right? But I'm going to start with this little book. If you're watching on YouTube or whatever, you can see here, uh, Art Rayner, The Money Challenge. So this is a little one. Uh, my mom bought me a while back when I started getting more interested in this finance stuff. And uh, I love this. He says, let's play the what if game, right? Some of you may be uh, familiar with the term compounding. It's a pretty simple concept. The percentage you earn each year is placed on your principal, the amount you contributed. So the next year, your gain is not just based on the principal, but on the total amount of principal. That is what you put in at the first time, plus whatever gains you had. Over time, you can see a significant growth occur. Here's a quick example. If you had $100 and earned 10% in one year, you'd end the year with $110, right? Let's say you also earned 10% in year two. You started with, since you started year two with 110, the 10% growth now gets you $11, 110 times 10%, right? So you get it. So then he gives this great example of this chart that shows um, the S&P 500. I think it says he's going back from 1966 to 2015, right? So if you were 16, in 1966, and you contributed $2,000. Now, this, I believe, is, I think he's doing like $2,000 a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So check this out. So he goes, you had $2,000 to ages 17 and 18 before you leave for college. So that's six grand total, right, that you've contributed into this. Now, let me read you the growth on this. So in 1966, the S&P uh, 500, which if you don't know what that is, sorry, I don't, I'm really trying to like, speak as though you don't know anything about what I'm talking about. So I'm sorry that I, I'm going to get ahead of myself a couple of times, but let me rewind. I hope this isn't confusing. The S&P 500 is the group of basically a, 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 a group of stocks or a, a list of 500 companies that are placed and considered the top 500 companies in the United States, right? And so you have these like groups of stocks, which is something called indexing. So it's an index fund. And what that means is basically you're buying a group of stocks instead of buying individual stocks. So what a lot of people do, um, I have family members who do this, they want to buy individual stocks, which can be good, but then you're kind of riding and dying on one, on one company, right? But the beauty of the S&P 500 or the Dow or these things that are kind of groups of stocks is that some will do really well and some won't. So you kind of get a balance out and generally typically win, right? And it typically grows because the American economy and the market 
is ever increasing, right? It's always, it's always growing. And so again, to take you back. So this person is investing $2,000 for three straight years. So six grand total into the S and P 500. Now the first year the S and P actually had a bad year in 1966 for whatever reason. Um, and lost about 10%, negative 9.97%. So the growth was actually a loss of $200. And you have to be ready for that, right? So then the next year, it grew 23.8%, which is massive, right? Makes up for the year before, kind of. Um, and so kind of at least puts you in the green over the two years. So now you're at $4,705. Now I'm not going to read you this whole 50 years of it, but year three, it's at 7,500 basically, right? The next year it drops negative 8%. Now you're down to 6,800. Now remember this person at age 18 stops putting money in, right? So they put $6,000 in between 16 and 18, 2,000 a year for three years. And just in the S&P 500, these are actual numbers of S&P returns. When this person is 40, they'll have $58,000. When this person is 50, they have $286,000. When this person is 60, they have $328,000. When this person is 65 in 2015, based on S&P 500 results, they have $591,000 in five. Uh, yeah, in 20 cents. Now think about that. That's six grand to turn into almost $600,000, right? And that's a long time. That's a lot of compounding. What's crazy about this and what you see that's really cool, and this is one of the crazy things about compounding, is between 18 and 44, the money only goes up from 7,500 to 90,000. But from 44 to 64, it goes up from 90,000 to 583,000. So pretty insane, right? And that's because that's what compounding does. If you're earning roughly, let's say, 7, 8, 10, 12% a year, the last like five years are massive. But what people don't realize is it's not the last five years that are massive. It's your first five years that are massive. Because if you wait until you're 30 or 35 or 40 to start doing this, yes, you can do it. Dave Ramsey does a lot of coaching calls with people who are middle age and helps them to figure this out. But it's not the same. And it's really difficult. And you're really coming from behind. Versus if you start this at 16, at 20, at 24, and then you have 40 years to let it sit, it's incredible what can happen. Right. And so that's, that's a really big deal. And I think that that's what people need to realize is kind of this beauty of compounding. Now I'm going to talk about one more book before I talk about a practical resource that I love to play around with. So this book's called the compound effect. Um, the subtitle is jumpstart your income, your life, and your success. There's a couple of things in here that I want to read, um, off to you real quick. Um, and so let me go back. Uh, one is another example of what I just gave you. Uh, yeah, so let's start with that. I'm actually, I might just read this one instead. So this is the example of what I just mentioned to you if you wait too late to start investing. So in the compound effect, Darren Hardy is the author's name. He gives an example of your friend and you both at age 23 and your friend starts to invest and you don't start to invest, right? And so that your friend, I think is investing. I think you both are investing, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. $250 a, a month. So he he does the same thing. Uh, he's referring to Dave Ramsey's advice and began putting $250 a month into an IRA when she got her first job at the age of 23. So this is your friend's 23, you're 23. They're investing $250 a month. And then you start to invest $250 a month um, when you're 41 instead of 23. Now, I want you to take a second and guess how much you think the difference is at the end, at the age of 67. So let me repeat the let me repeat the scenario again. You and your friend are both 23 years old. Your friend starts to invest $250 a month at 23. You do nothing until you're 40, uh, 41. How much do you think the difference is at the end of your life or at, at the age of 67? Boom. All right. So let me give it to you. So by the time you're 41. You're starting off, uh, you know, with about three thousand dollars, and uh, your friend at that point has one hundred and thirty thousand dollars. So just think about that. Even if they just stopped, right, they'd still whoop your ass, um, which is which is pretty massive. Okay, so actually, actually, I think that's how he does it here. Let me let me confirm this real quick. 
Yeah, actually, this is savage. So this is how he does it. Yeah, this is so good. So your friend does $250 a month from age 23 to 40, right? And then stops investing. You do $0 from 23 to 40 and then start 250 a month at 41 going until you're 67. Now that's 27 years of investing 20, 250 a month while your friend only did about 17 or 18 years of that. So at the end, when you're both 67, your friend would have $1,033,000 and you would have $285,000. You would have contributed $81,000 to yours and your friend would have contributed $54,000. That, my friends, is the difference of compound interest. <laughs> and that's why if you're 30-something and you don't have an investment account, and this is like something that gets people in the military all the time because they want to be like, oh, well, I'm in the military. I'm going to have to give my retirement. It's so dumb. It's so dumb. Let that be a bonus. Let anything that might happen to you be a bonus, but you don't bank on things like that. Not that it won't happen, but look at all the crazy shit that's going on in the military now. You couldn't have anticipated that 10 years ago. And so maybe then you thought, yeah, 20 years will be great. We don't know what things are going to be like in 20 years. You don't know what your company is going to be like. You don't know what the government's going to be like. You don't know what taxes are going to be like. You don't know what social security is going to be like. And so many people bank on these things. And it's like, what if you want out? What if you want to leave, right? And so don't, don't get yourself stuck. So again, so I love this. I love this from Darren Hardy. It says, your choices plus your behaviors plus your habits plus compounding the compound effect will equal your goals and the attainment of your goals and what you achieve in your life. Choices plus behavior plus habit plus the compound effect will equal what you achieve in your goals. That's the compound effect by Darren Hardy. It's a very, very good book. I highly recommend it. Um, and it'll really take you, uh, show you how, how valuable it is in reading, in religious practices, you know, in prayer, in, um, in exercise. It does all kinds of stuff. So that's what I love about it because it's very kind of seeking excellence focus. It's not just money. It's not just one area of life. He really talks about uh, how to grow everything. So so that's that. Now, if you want to get on, if you want to have some fun with the compound compound interest, this is one of the only things I think the government has ever done right. And it's investor.gov. I usually just Google compound interest calculator um, and go to the investor.gov one because theirs is actually the best. Um, there's a, there's a, some other ones that are, I think, kind of suck or are stupid. But if you see here, maybe I'll even share my screen on YouTube so you can really take a look at it. Let's have some fun together, friends. You get to see what other browsers I have open, like LinkedIn and Hulu free trials. So here you can see here. So this is how it looks. If you don't, if you, I'll describe it to, to people who are just listening, but this might be a good one to go on and actually watch. So the initial investment, um, let's say whatever, let's say you have $5,000 in your bank account right now. Let's say you're going to contribute. So step two is how much you're going to contribute monthly. And so you can take that and say, all right, I'm going to put 250 in a month. Um, and then you're going to say, all right, length of time in years, I'm 28. Let's say I can work for 40 more years. So let's give it 40 years. Estimated interest rate. Now, typically, you know, they say that you can get, Dave Ramsey will say you can get anywhere from like 12 to 15%, which I've always read is pretty high, but I think seven to 10% is a typical good range. So what I like to do is put 7% as the estimated interest rate, and then you can put an interest variance range, which is a range of interest rates above and below the rate you set that you desire to see results for. So I always put three. That gives me the results for 10%, gives me the result for 4%, and gives me the, the 7%. Now, if I hit calculate, you'll see here at the bottom, it says in 40 years, you will have $673,000. Now, check this out. So if it goes 10%, now this is a huge difference, right? So if I do get 10% on average over the next 40 years, I would actually have $1.5 million dollars. And if I went 4%, then I would have $310,000. Now that's with just starting with 5,000 and 250. Now let's take it back to, let's take it back to zero. Let's say you're 22 years old and you're going to sacrifice, right? You're going to really cut into your budget and you're going to do $500 a month, but you're, you're 22 years old. So we'll give you, uh, we'll give you 40, let's say 48 years or 45. We'll do 45. You're going to work till you're about 67, right? Same numbers. Now, boom, the 7%, at 7% average growth, you would have $1.7 million, right? And if it's 10%, you would have $4.3 million. 
so that's pretty big. That's some big money. I don't know if you've ever had that much before. I haven't, um, but I'm looking forward to it someday, hopefully. Um, and yeah, you can definitely live on that, hopefully, uh, barring Venezuelan level inflation um, and live a happy life. So I highly encourage you to go on and play with that because that's the kind of stuff that gets you excited about saving, right? It's difficult to invest. Um, as I said before, you know, in the other episodes, I said that you should, I love the Dave Ramsey number, 15% at least of your income should be invested, right? So 10% to tithe, 25% to housing, uh, 15% investing. Um, and then unfortunately you have to pay taxes. So I think um, whatever number, you know what I mean? That is for you. It's pretty good. Now, let's say you make $100,000 a year. You could have, a, you, can, you could put, that's 15 grand, you know, that's 15 grand a year that you're putting away. So I don't have a calculator uh, in front of me, but 15 grand, what's 15 divided by 12? That's what I'm trying to figure out. I think it's like 1250. And so let's say your, your monthly contribution is 1250. And I'm gonna give myself the same 40 years. And let's say I have, uh, let's say I have $30,000 already saved. So if you're 22, this could be your life, right? By the time you're 30, you're making hundred K um, you're going to compound for 40 years and you're going to put away about 1250 a month. And that's only if you're making a hundred thousand, right? Calculate that at 7% dude is $3.4 million at 10% is almost $8 million. So this is some big stuff. Now, when you're starting to get contributions from your employer and all this other stuff too, that's going to take it even higher. You might get a 5% match from your employer for your 401k, and that's going to take you to you know, 20% almost of, of, of your investment. You're going to be investing even higher, 20 grand a year, um, and you're going to have even more money there in the future. So, so that's kind of the mindset that I wanted to share. I wanted to start with, and I really I don't encourage you to go to many government websites. That's for damn sure. But I do think that investor.gov is really uh, worthwhile, especially uh, this is the only thing I use on it, but you have the savings goal calculator. I'm looking on the left here. They have a required minimum distribution calculator and a college savings calculator. And so if you guys, if you think about it, um, inflation December to December this past year was 7%, if I'm not mistaken, which is, which is, uh, is, uh, is uh, man, it's bad. Right. And then if they're trying to increase taxes and stuff, this is why you have to get it out of your head that you just want to become a millionaire. Because I think there's going to be a lot of, uh, of broke millionaires in our lifetime. Back in the day, I mean, if you think about it, like, uh, you know, the uh, Rockefellers and Andrew Carnegie, like they had baby money compared to like Jeff Bezos, right? Like you wouldn't even have been ima- to, able to imagine that, but they have a lot more in today's dollars. So you hear that a lot of time you're here t- talking about old wealthy people is like in today's dollars, they'd have X amount of money. That's because of inflation. And so inflation in 50 years, we're going to be those same you know, old people that are like, you know, I used to be able to buy a bottle of Coke for $2 and 50 cents. And it's like, really, you know, now it's seven bucks. Like that's going to happen. It's just, it's just, it's just what happens in life. Right. So you got to be ready for that. Now I want to tell you about something that's really important as well, which is called dollar cost averaging. Now dollar cost averaging is basically taking the uh, reality that you're not going to have month over month, absolute green periods indefinitely. That means that we're not always going to go up. So if you remember it, when I was reading the compound effect or the money challenge, that in both examples, there's times where you actually, your money goes down, right? So there's years we had 2008 was horrible. Obviously the recession it took a couple of years to get out of that. We had some big years. And then we had a big crash with when the pandemic started. And so you have these kinds of ebbs and flows, right? In the markets. And so dollar cost averaging says, if you have, let's use that example of 100K again, $15,000 you're going to invest this year that you invest monthly instead of waiting till the end of the year or trying to time the market. Because I've, I've read books on this too, and I wish I could find, I think it is in, uh, in Tony Robbins' um, Money Master the Game. And then he's got a shorter version of that one called Unshakable. They're both really good uh, audio books too. Uh, I only listen to the former on audio, but I like his audio books. Anyways, um, he gives examples in there too of like, you think, well, what if I invest at the top and then it crashes? That's going to happen sometimes, no doubt, right? You're going to hit some peaks and it's going to go down and then it's going to go up again. The same thing will happen with uh, the bottoms though. And you're not going to be able to always time the bottom. So that's why giving monthly is much better way to go about it because you're going to hit more of the bottoms and you're going to experience more of the highs so you're going to experience both the growth and the losses, but the, it always grows over time. 
And so you're always going to come out winning. You're always going to come out on top and hitting your goals, but you're not going to, if you only try to time the market and try to warm Buffett this shit and you're not that smart. So just accept that instead of trying to be some freaking guru. Um, that's, I feel like is always Dave Ramsey's message. He's like, a lot of you guys don't want to put in the effort and energy that it takes to actually be wildly successful in having an aggressive offense. So if that's true for you, then just do this basic stuff and just go on and create um, some investment accounts. Now, let's talk about how to actually do that, right? So as I said before, you kind of have investing can be broken down into you know stocks, bonds. You can invest in real estate and things like that as well. Obviously, uh, 401ks, IRAs. So we're going to talk about all of this stuff right now. Um, and then we will get into, uh, I'll kind of like briefly overview some real estate and crypto stuff. Um, and then we'll talk about some income things and all that, all that ish. Right. Great. So you want to invest your money, right? Let's say you have the TSP, you're in the military. Let's say you have uh, a company provided 401k. Let's say you have a, um, Let's say you have a, uh, you don't have any of those things, right? So let's talk about all three options. So if you have the TSP or you have a company provided 401k, um, it's great to go ahead and participate in those. Um, and you just have to be careful about the way you're going about doing it, right? And so I'm going to bring up my company provided one uh, from Hallow and uh, just kind of look at it. And I'll give you kind of my breakdown of what that looks like. I'm not going to give you the money breakdown. Um, and I've only had it for six months or whatever. So it's not even balling. It's nothing impressive in there. Um, but the uh, actual like breakdown of like what it's investing in is what I'm always interested to see. And so you can see here, I'm projected to have at the age of 65, based on their projections of what I'm invested in, um, it says I'm projected to have uh, over $2 million in this account alone. So I invest both in my company 401k and then I do my... Um, and then I do my, uh, I have a Vanguard account. So my grandparents started me a Vanguard account a long, long time ago. And I just added to it and expanded it. I actually transferred my TSP, my th thrift savings program. So you don't have like, uh, that's kind of the, the government issued one, um, which actually can be really good. Um, and I, 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 I shifted my TSP money into uh, Vanguard. And I'm about to do the same with Fidelity because Fidelity is what Dynamic Catholic used. And I'm going to shift that into my Vanguard soon as well. So um, what was I going to share first? So let's talk a little bit about uh, Roth or, or 401ks and IRAs, Roth and traditional. So an IRA is an individual retirement account. Now, this is something, like I said, if you don't have um, a company provided 401k or whatever, or if you just want to do your own thing as well outside of work, which is kind of my jam. Um, I love Vanguard. I love uh, what I can invest through them. Um, ironically, this other organization that we use for uh, for for work is um, a lot of my stuff is still in Vanguard indexes, which is pretty funny. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm team Vanguard. So I would encourage you if you're just starting out um, and you're not in the military, you're not a TSP, you can still do it even if you have a TSP though. Um, I had mine the whole time I was in. Literally just go to vanguard.com or investor.vanguard.com. Either one takes you to it. And then at the top left, you can see our sites, click on personal investors, and then just create an account, dude. It's really like not super complicated. Um, now, the thing you have to decide when you're opening a new account is between all the different options. So like I said, a 401k is something that's provided to you by your, uh, your employer. And these were kind of what replaced... Um, uh, Pensions. So back in the day, you used to get like pensions, right? And people would, and, and people today, like the military still get the pension, uh, other government workers, and there's certain companies that still do it, but it's pretty rare. Okay. So pensions basically were like a, a basic income that would happen every month until you or your spouse died and you would get that money. Now, in today's world, what they do is a lot of times they switch and you get the option. It gives more power to the individual because you're not as capped on what your pension will be. Like a lot of times you have to try to get promoted, you have to try to do whatever to get your for, or to get your pension up. But now, just like in the military, right? Like the higher, it's like your highest three years, I think, average divided by 50 or 50% of that um, is what you make in retirement. 
if I'm not mistaken. And it's like, if you get like 30 years, it's like 75% or something crazy. And so, um, so that's how it works. But now we have like 401k. So these are company provided accounts that you can invest in and you can allot a certain amount of your income to. Now, because they used to do the pensions, what companies will do is they'll still match some of your, um, some of your, your uh, contributions. Contributions is the right word. So they'll match your contributions up to a certain percentage. So like for me, it's uh, for Halo, we do, I think, I don't know. I hope I'm not saying anything that's like confidential. I don't think it is though. Halo, I won't even say it then. Halo matches a certain percentage. Most companies will do between like three and 5%. And you always want to do up to that match, right? And so that's why, if you're wondering why I have two different accounts, that's mainly why, right? I hope that I get to stay at Halo for the next 30 years, unless God has substantial other plans for me. Um, but that's my plan. And so, yes, I'm still going to be uh, investing with them when they match a certain percentage of, our, of my contributions, right? Because that takes me, as I said before, I, I contribute, I'm at that 15 to 18% of uh, my income being invested. And because of that, I want to, um, I want to go ahead and, uh, and, and maximize on whatever it is. So let's say, for example, that a company is giving you 5% match. As I said before, you're making 100K. 15%, they're matching 5% of that. So that takes you up to, um, wait, don't be stupid, Nathan. All right, so what's 1 20th of 15? I was going to say three grand, but that doesn't sound accurate. Let me think here. I'll do some math. So yeah, again, so you can almost kind of cheat your way to it. So if they're matching 5% and you do, um, you know, whatever, whatever percentage you do, you can kind of start to cheat your way ahead and say, okay, I'm making an extra $1,000 a year, let's say, um, by them matching whatever whatever I'm giving in to whatever percent that they will do that, right? So that helps you just to kind of get ahead and play a, you know, a stronger offensive game there. Um, so that's kind of the difference between a, a 401k and an IRA. An IRA is just an account you go on Fidelity Investments, you go on um, Robinhood, you go on uh, Vanguard, whatever, whatever company you want to use. Um, there's so many of them. Um, but you can go on and you create your own account. That's an individual retirement account, also known as an IRA. Right. So that's kind of the two main accounts that people talk about. If you're in the nonprofit world, you're looking at like a 503B, typically is what it's called. Um, and some companies will match, some companies won't. To me, the matching is, is great. I mean, it's obviously a huge perk um, that I think more people should take advantage of. Uh, and the great thing about the matching, too, is that it can just come straight out of your account before you even get it. So it really just lowers your check, um, which can be frustrating. But especially if you do it when you're starting a new job, then you don't even get used to having that much money anyways, right? So you just live on what you were taking home um, and you don't start to try to base everything off of, it's always harder to, to get tighter than it is to get looser, if that makes sense, with your budget, right? So if you can start off a new job where you get a raise, let's say, like increase by 1%, let's say you get a, a 3% raise, increase your giving to your, uh, to your 401k by 1% or 1.5%. And then you still are getting a one and a half percent raise. So you're making a little bit more money, but it's not going to be as much as you would have thought because this is just an easy way to kind of contribute more and more as you start to make more income over time. Um, so you got to be mindful of that as well. Now, Roth and traditional. So here's the big difference between Roth and traditional that you hear all the time. So a traditional IRA or 401k means that you're going to pay taxes when you withdraw the money. Right, so you basically have two options when you're investing. Okay, so again, let's use my example. Um, you're, let's use an example. You're 25 years old. You're making hundred thousand dollars a year. You want to retire when you're 65, 40 years from now. You have two options. You can either one go the traditional route, which is not paying taxes on your money now. So any money that you put into your 401k, which has a maximum yearly contribution of, uh, I think they just upped it to twenty thousand five hundred dollars. Um, and then you get taxed on that money when you start to withdraw it later on. Now, the opposite or the other option that you have is to go the Roth, what they call Roth IRA or Roth 401k. I don't know where the word Roth comes from, um, but you can do that one instead. And what that will give you is the option to use post-tax money, right? So you get taxed on your money and then you uh, take that and contribute it, right? So um you get tax, you pay your taxes now, and then you contribute post-tax, whatever percentage you want to contribute. 
And then when you withdraw it at 65 or whatever, you don't have to pay taxes on it. So then it's more of like a bank account, right? And I'm all about like, when I want to have the money, I want to have my money, right? So this is why I don't, I don't like personally to do like, you go to buy a new TV or some shit and they want to hustle you and be like, well, you can afford a $4,000 TV because you can just pay 50 bucks a month for the next 10 years. And it's like, dude, get out of my face, right? I hate that. I know a lot of people, I mean, people try talking to me it all the time. I want a new iPhone. They're like, why don't you just monthly? And I'm like, no, I want to pay $1,200 <laughs> and then be gone that $1,200, but then no moving forward that all the money in my bank account is mine, right? Like I hate thinking, like if you start to budget, like you start to hate adding lines to the monthly expenses, right? Because the problem with that is you can't, that really ties you down, right? It's like having more anchors on your ship, in my opinion, because when you have more monthly expenses, what you're doing is you're adding, you're, you're limiting yourself and your ability to be mobile in that you can't say, all right, damn, I've been overspending or the holidays just hit hard, right? Now I want to start to try to save more money. You can't really do that because you're, so much of your budget is tied up in these monthly expenses. So you bought a new phone or you bought a new TV or a new couch and you're starting to finance these things. People love when you do that because they get you to spend more money over the long run than you would if you had to pay for it today, right? This is why Dave Ramsey is so against credit cards. And this is just a different version of credit cards. It's just financing things, right? That's essentially what credit is. And so that's the danger of getting into this place because if I, if I make five grand a month, but 4,500 of it is tied up in monthly expenses, then I don't have a lot of money, a lot of flexibility if I am trying to save for something, to buy a house, to buy a car, for my emergency fund, whatever it is, you're going to be a lot less flexible and able to do that. And so that's something you have to keep in mind, right? So I try to not do that. I try to just save up for something and then buy it and then be done. And that's how I feel about Roth versus traditional. What some people will say is uh, the best way to do it is depends on how much money you make now versus how much you want to live on when you're 65. So if you make a buttload of money right now in your 20s, it might be worthwhile to do the traditional where you're paying taxes later because it takes it will lower your tax bracket now um, by contributing more money to your 401k. You can drop yourself by 20 grand you know, if you, if you max it out each year. And then let's say you're making 200K a year like that really helps you out. And then later on, if you're going to live on 100K a year, then you're going to pay less taxes than you would now, if that makes sense, on the money. Because um, you'd be in a lower tax bracket and, and all of that stuff, right? Now, uh, the opposite tr is true if you're in the Roth situation where you're making a good bit now or making whatever you're making now, but you plan to make more when you're 40, more when you're 60, um, and you want to live on some healthy retirement and would like to give and that kind of stuff. Um, then you might want to do the Roth. So all of my accounts are Roth. I think that's typically what people recommend, but there are exceptional cases where you want to go traditional. Um, and, and then I think IRAs are, are capped at like 6,500 a year is what you can contribute to those with your post-tax money without being taxed further on that. So that gets kind of complicated, but it's not too, too bad. But yeah, so you got to kind of figure that stuff out. Now, the other practical tip that I want to give, because I've seen people fall into this trap and I myself fell into it for like last year and a half in the army. Once I set up my TSP, and this I feel like is a little known fact is that when you set up a retirement account, whether it be a 401k or an IRA or in your TSP, whatever it is, a lot of times the default that they give you, the default account that you get set up with will be like in a money market, right? And so a money market is a very safe account and it has a very low return. And so that's why they kind of automatically put you into that. And they'll put you into a really safe one, which really just makes it kind of a glorified savings account. But what you need to do is you need to go in and you need to actually manage your assets, right? You need to manage your account and choose what you're allocating to what. And so for mine, like when I set up my new one with my job, um, it, if you have a good, if there's a good website, if it's a good company, and when you first set it up, sometimes they'll ask you, how aggressive do you want to be? What are your goals? What's your, what's your age now? What's your target retirement age? How much money would you like to live on then? It will ask you those types of questions and then it'll kind of gauge and say, all right, you seem like you want to be an aggressive invest investor, or you might be a more timid or safe investor. And that's okay either way. It just depends on where you're at in life and what you're trying to accomplish. When you're young, typically you can tend to be and, and afford to be a little bit more aggressive. And when you get a little bit older, you want to start to calm it down and actually dial it back a little bit when it comes to the aggression and what you're trying to do. But the main thing is that you need to go on and actually check to see, because some people, and I did this for like two years, 
will start to invest and you're saving part of your income. And that's great. At least you're saving and not spending it. But at the same time, you're not making the returns that you're expecting or that you're hoping for because they actually just put your money into a money market and not into a mutual fund or an index fund. And so go on and check that out. And so, as I said, like I can go on here to our company that we use and um, it says that I have a, 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 a cautious young professional's portfolio, right? And I could go in and change my portfolio and figure out what I want to do. I'm 85% in stocks, 15% in bonds. And it says my percentage of contribution and what contribution percentage is coming from my employer, right? Gives me my total value, shows me what I'm at in the last seven days, shows me what I'm at all time since I started. Now, what's really cool is uh, you can go in and see like the total stock market index is, is a certain percentage. Um, there's a <clears throat> emerging market stock index. There's a real estate index and uh, international bond index and and U.S. bond index and all this other stuff that it's it's in. And I can see that and I can adjust a percentage. I can change it. Um, I can do whatever I want. But it'll give me the different options to I can either build a custom portfolio or I can view all the portfolios they have. And it basically allowed me to guide between more risky and less risky. And it's just based on whatever whatever you want and whatever you feel most comfortable with. But you don't want to be so scared when you're in your 20s um, and afraid of seeing red. That's something that gets so many people so caught up is that you're afraid to see red and actually see things go backwards. And uh, it's just, it's going to happen. It's just part of life. But that's one of the values of actually setting these things up and then just not checking them all the time. Right. So I try to budget monthly and I'll go in and I'll do my net worth and all this stuff and I'll check the accounts then, but I'm not like checking it every day and like super stressing about it and seeing where the markets are up and down. Like it matters day to day because Doug, I got 40 years left, right? And a lot of plans in between now and then. And so that's kind of the stuff that you got to think about is you don't want to be stressing the everyday up and down, okay? So yes. So other things with investing, I'm trying to think what else I had to share with that. Um, So just with automation. So I was just going to share one more thing. So you want to automate everything that you can. Obviously, if you're contributing to your 401k or something like that, um, with your employer, if 503B, whatever it might be, um, you want to just, it's just automatically coming out of your check. But then also if you have your own IRA on the side, your individual retirement account with another company, also automate that. So you can automate that to come out twice a month, every day you get paid or whenever you want it to happen. But remember to do monthly. So you're hitting that dollar cost averaging and you are doing it just automatically. So you don't have to think about it. So you don't say, oh, I forgot to invest this year, right? It's just automatically happening. And you're automatically contributing and it's growing and it's, you're hitting your targets and you're hitting your goals. And then you're going to maximize compound interest, maximize dollar cost averaging, hitting you know both the ups and the downs. But don't be afraid to see some red because it's inevitable and it's going to happen. Um, but automate as much as you can for sure. Now, as I talked about seeing some red, um, seems like a decent time to transition into talking about crypto. So man, the good old the good old cryptocurrency market. So let me pull up my account um, and uh, just kind of general uh, market watch type stuff. Um, yeah, CoinDesk. So CoinDesk.com, CoinDesk.com is a great way to kind of track the markets. It's one of my favorite tools to use to just kind of see where the markets are at, see certain coins uh, that are on there. Now, what this is not going to be, and maybe I'll do a podcast if I get enough interest and feedback from people that enjoy hearing about this, this is not going to be an explanation of like what is cryptocurrency, right? In, a sh- in the shortest sense that I can give you, uh, cryptocurrency is um, is a digital currency, right? It's just, it's just digital money. It's just digital currency. Um, and you can have digital wallets or hardware wallets that you can plug into computers and things like that that'll track the data, the beauty of it is there's just a certain amount. I think it's like 21 million. Um, or excuse me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's like 21 million. I'm sorry. I'm trying to read while speaking. Um, 21 million Bitcoins in existence. Like more come out every year until they're all fully available. There's Bitcoin mining. There's all kinds of shit, right? Like it's it's really confusing. There's no doubt about it. Um, and I, honestly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fix supply 21 million. Look, I am a genius. No more Bitcoin can be creative. And units of Bitcoin cannot be destroyed, right? So that's how it helps against inflation. The problem with inflation is that we just print money. Like it's just somebody's effing hobby. Like they're just having fun doing it. 
um, here in the United States. And it really just, uh, just kills us, just kills our currency. And that's why we're not the strongest currency in the world. Um, and why we have inflation out the ass right now. And so, um, so yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff. If you go to coindesk.com, you can read all about Bitcoin. Ben Shapiro's done videos on it. There's tons of stuff on the internet. Just don't be afraid of it. That's my main thing to you is like, don't be scared of this stuff. Now, what I will tell you is that if you're a hoe and you're afraid of uh, seeing a little red, like crypto is not for you. I've had times where I've lost $12,000. I've been down 12K in, in what I was once up, you know, in the crypto markets. But what we all kind of operate on, those of us who invest in cryptocurrency, is um, that it's going to eventually, it's going to like continue to rise, right? So if you look at the the the, the crazy thing for crypto, right, is that Bitcoin at uh, you know in January, let's look let's look here, January of 2016, one Bitcoin was 432 dollars, right? In January of 2017 or January of 2018, let's jump ahead two years. Um, it was up around $13,000. That's unfathomable, right? Um, that type of growth. Then it dropped back down to about $4,000, which is when I should have bought in. And then let's look at um, this past May, it went up to $61,000. And then this past fall, it went up to sixty, almost $69,000. Now there's tons of coins. I think there's thousands of cryptocurrencies out there. And they all have different... Um, projects, they all are made up of different things. It's really, it's really kind of complex. Like I said, this isn't going to be a what is crypto explanation. But what I can tell you is there's a lot of financial advisors who five or 10 years ago thought crypto was the dumbest thing in the world, who now think that a healthy portfolio has a certain percentage of cryptocurrency in it. Now, you get to determine what that percentage is. Some people say 1%, some people say 5%, some people say 3%. Um, and that's up to you. It depends on what you need. It depends on how you're trying to spend your money, what you need money for. Um, I've put a healthy amount of, of money in crypto, but what I don't do, and this is where I feel like people get dumb, is the baby steps work. I look at the seven baby steps from Dave Ramsey as like, the seven baby steps from Dave Ramsey to me are boxing out. Um, it's taking good care of the ball. It's... Uh, playing good defense, right? It's making your layups and you're going to win basketball games that way. There's no, there's no way around it, right? That wins games. Now you can start to get fancy, right? You can start the alley-oops and three-pointers and all these other things. That's great. Um, but if you're doing all that stuff and you're trying to get alley-oops and dunks and, um, you know, shooting from half court and you can't make layups, then you're going to hurt yourself. And so I see a lot of people who don't have 401ks or IRAs or um, a budget or goals and all that kind of stuff. Like they're not organized. They try to get into crypto and invest in what people call shit coins, um, which are a lot of like the meme coins like Dogecoin, uh, Shiba. There's tons of like other small cap coins that people try to invest in and make a ton of money overnight, you know, trying to get that 100x. And some people do it. So, I mean, this has made many millionaires. There's no doubt about it but you're obviously more safe in like a Bitcoin and Ethereum. Uh, some of these bigger ones like Solana, um, Cardano, um, all these other kinds of things, right? So just keep that in mind as you're going forward, as you're doing this is, uh, yeah, it's real cool to, to make a lot of money overnight. It's fun to, um, you know, be big balling. But at the same time, like get your get your stuff in order first before you try to do this. Now, the easiest way to go, and if you want to invest in crypto, how do you do it? Go to Coinbase. Um, it's the biggest, largest trading platform. There's also eToro. You can also do it on Robinhood. You can also do it on, um, I think, just Crypto.com is another one. Um, so there's just different trading platforms. I really like Coinbase. It's the biggest. It's the back. It's backed by a lot of insurance money. Um, only a couple of times, I think maybe once it's been hacked and everybody got their money returned to them. Um, but they obviously care a lot about this stuff and want everything to be safe because they want to have people invest with them. It's just the same as any other company. It's publicly traded too. So it's not like some like sketchy dark web. I feel like that's what people think. They think it's like some sketchy dark web shit where it's like, everybody's going to just hack your money. And it's like, it's not how it works. This is like, it's, it's, there's no difference to me 
it's a smaller company than like a Vanguard or, you know, Chase or something like that. But at the same time, you're putting your money somewhere else. Even when my money's in my bank with USAA, it's like you, your money's out there, right? Like you, you don't have it unless you have money in cash in your, in your mattress. Like anything could happen to anybody. It's not just uh, crypto um, platforms, but um, yeah. So you just go to Coinbase and you just choose how much you want to invest in. The same thing I think is, is applicable here when it comes to dollar cost averaging when it, in crypto investing. Um, and you definitely want to do that. You want to utilize that and, uh, and make the most of it because you can make a lot of money that way. And if Bitcoin does go to a million dollars, which many people anticipate in the next five, 10 or 15 years, uh, that's going to have a much larger return than any, um, any stocks are going to have for you. So I think having a little percentage of, even if it's just fun money, you know what I mean? Just some money you have left over at the end of the year or percentage of your bonus or whatever it might be gifts, you know, that people give you when you get married, like putting five grand into it and letting it, letting it ride, I think is a great idea. If it was me, if I was just starting out, I think now's a good time to get in. Now I'm recording this on January 16th, releasing in like two weeks. So anything can happen in crypto, but, uh, sometime this year, there's going to be another major crash. I believe this year and next year, people believe we're going into a bear market at some point. Um, I didn't talk about bear and bull markets, but bull market is basically a good run. Bear market is basically a really bad run. They can last anywhere from months to years in both crypto and real estate and in, uh, and in regular stock markets, right? So um, the bear market could be a great time to dump some money in. But if you have five grand set aside, again, just dollar cost average it put in 500 bucks a month for the next 10 months or something like that. And, or you can do a weekly too with Coinbase and just do a hundred bucks a week or 125 a week, whatever you want to do. Um, but I, I encourage it. I'm not, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm not a financial advisor. Um, but I do think that it's worthwhile. Um, I've made some good money in it. Like I said, I, I've never, I'm still up. I'm still in the green, you know, um, a, a solid bit. And I think that we're going to, see more growth in the future, but there was a time where I was down. Yeah. I think it was, I even, I think it was like $14,000. And like, so you watch, I mean, there's times in crypto investing. I mean, you watch if as your money gets even higher, there's people who lose a hundred grand in a day, but um, yeah, I've lost, you know, $2,500 in, in hours or, or two days or whatever. That's hard to watch. You know, that's another thing where you can't check it all the time, but um yeah, but over, overall, the growth is pretty crazy and it's really good. So you got to have a, definitely a stomach for it. When I first started, I first got involved in crypto in 2018 when I got back from Afghanistan and I did not have the stomach for it. And I think I made like 500 bucks, um, which was cool. But you, yeah, you just got to be careful, man, um, because it's easy to buy high and sell low, which is not what you want to do. You want to buy low and sell high and don't be afraid to take your profits along the way. We'll probably dive deeper into crypto and shit in the future, but um, I'll try to do a, a something with somebody, you know, uh, to, that'll actually be able to explain it a little bit better. So, um, so that's that. The other thing I want to mention is just real estate is another thing to look into. I'm gonna start wrapping up here. My throat kind of hurts, and we're kind of at the end, anyways. But yeah, real estate is great. Obviously, it's one of the baby steps is to pay off your house. Dave Ramsey encourages people to get a 15-year fixed mortgage, which is great. Um, one thing I wish I had done is something called house hacking and using my VA loan when I moved back uh, from deployment. I wish I had bought a house in 2018 and had done that in uh, every place that I lived um, but, and, and just had rented it out or had roommates or whatever or just rented it myself and then rented it out to somebody else when I left. Um, and I wish I had, you know, four rental properties now, but I don't. Um, but I'd highly encourage you to check out the bigger pockets podcast. Uh, I love them and have learned a lot from them. I plan to do a lot more reading and researching into real estate. Most of my financial stuff has been all stocks and investing and budgeting and things like that. And so, uh, it's something I, I'm very interested in and I want to learn more about Emily and I would like to buy a house. Um, and I'd love to buy like a duplex or a fourplex or something like that. It's just really hard out here in Denver. Um, and you can still buy in other markets, um, when you're doing real estate, but, uh, you can't use your VA loan unless you're living in some part of the property, um, to do it. So yeah, there's lots of different ways. I think there's a lot to get in on that. And maybe I'll do a, an episode with somebody else on that. 
um, if there's interest, uh, but buying a house and having that paid off. I mean, think about if we bought a house. So my kind of timeline is to try to buy a house that we can have for the next like five years or whatever, rent that one out afterwards and buy, you know, five to seven years, like a house that we want to live in forever um, and do some serious saving in between now and then to do that. And I have some other financial plans and things that'll help to contribute to that. Um, but if we can do that, uh, then we can start to rent that property out. And if you can pay off your house in 15 years, you know, let's say I'm 50, then you can invest so much more too in your last like 15 years of, of living. Um, think of how much more you can invest pretty heavily at that time. So that's another reason why Dave Ramsey talks about paying off your house. Um, and there's some people, yeah, there's a lot to get into with paying off your house and the mortgage. And I would just, if you want to hear what Dave Ramsey has to say about it, I would listen to him, but him and, uh, Hogan, is it Brian Hogan? I can't remember the black dude that wrote the book, uh, everyday millionaires, uh, everyday millionaire. I can't remember what his first name is, but he, he talked about it a lot in that book too. And I think what they said makes sense as far as like, some people want to keep their mortgage because it's like a tax write-off and things like that. And he's like, dude, like you pay more for your mortgage by not paying it off than you would save in taxes and then you're saving in taxes and all this stuff. So yeah, so that could be different, obviously unique for each person, but I think generally not having housing expenses would be pretty dope. And as I said, I'm all about not having monthly expenses. So I'd be all about not having a, just to pay my utilities would be my freaking dream, brother. So the only thing I didn't really ever touch on is uh, increasing your income. So I talked about it a little bit and gave kind of the examples of teachers, but there's so many different things that you don't have to go become like Lula rich to, to try to like increase your income. Right. Um, I, I think I'm trying to remember when this one comes out, I think Noble and I in episode uh, like 113 or something in becoming an EQ gangster talked about, like I dabbled in, in network marketing stuff for, for a while there, not dabbled in it. I was, I was, I was pretty um, intensely in it for a couple of years. And I think it's, I think it's generally shit. I don't think it's always shit, but my experience, uh, that could be a whole podcast in and of itself and what that was like. And that'll probably need like a noble and somebody else to, to join with me. That'd be fun to talk about it with them. There's a lot that went into that. Uh, but I did learn a lot of great things. I learned a lot about what I know about budgeting, a lot about personal growth, a lot about leadership, a lot about uh, yeah, finances in general, time management. I, like I, I definitely grew through the process, but so I, I always say like, I don't regret it, but I'm really grateful that I stopped and would have been grateful to have stopped like a year earlier than I did. But I don't think that's a great way um, to increase your income, but there's so many different things, right? Like think like, for me, like, I hope that one day, like I get to make money from podcasting. Um, I think that I'm in the not making money phase of it. Uh, but I have through podcasting and blogging and things like that, gotten paid for speaking and made a few thousand dollars the last several years from, from giving talks, um, personal training, become like a fitness trainer, or like a part-time CrossFit coach, um, like personal coaching and like life coaching and stuff like that. Like people pay a lot of money for that stuff, writing blogs and getting paid for, for writing. Amazon businesses and things like that. People make a ton of money with that. You can watch like, um, old Gary V goes to, to, uh, garage sales and buys a bunch of bullshit and then finds like a chunk of gold in it and sells it for like five grand. Um, there's a ton of different things you can do and you can learn about a lot of these things on the interwebs. And so I encourage you to check it out and to think about like, how can you really create some type of business? People who sell t-shirts and all kinds of stuff. Um, but f- figure out ways to increase your income. Um, because it'll really, real estate's another great way to do that too, is learn about real estate investing. I just learned about a woman, uh, she's a retired, I want to say she's a coast guard or something like that. Um, and she, my friend was just telling me about her that she has like $200 million of real estate and she just started like three years ago. Like, it's pretty crazy what you can do, um, in real estate, especially if you're doing like fundraising and things like that. I mean, you can make some serious moves in that stuff, but you just have to learn how to like make it work. So just basically what I'm saying with the income stuff is like, just don't be a hoe. Don't, don't be this like, well, I just can't, I just don't have time. I have a family, like just figure it out, man. You have so much time. I get so frustrated with people and complaining about that. I'm like, dude, I don't even like, sometimes I feel like sometimes what blows my head up and gets me cocky is watching mediocre people because I'm like, 
and it shouldn't because they're mediocre. So it shouldn't even be impressive to me. But sometimes I'm just like, what the hell do people do all the time? Like I'm trying to do a hundred podcast episodes this year, right? Which I calculated is like 200 hours of work on the light end. Um, because it's like, let me think here. 200, 200 hours is like, is what? Five work weeks, five 40 hour work weeks on top of trying to like crush being a sales dude for, uh, for hallow and trying to get married. And I hope to write a book and finish writing a book and start my second book, um, all in this year. Like I want to publish a book this year. And like, I have a puppy and we're hoping to get pregnant and we hope to buy a house. And like, I'm not like, that's not like overwhelming. Just, you just do it right. It's today, right now, for example, I'm recording this on a Sunday afternoon. Emily is currently at the gym. I'm going to the gym directly after finishing this. I'm going to come back. I'm going to work on social media posts for this week. because I really want to hype up my, why am I conservative podcast? Um, and my episode with Noel Marion, cause she absolutely crushed it. That's going to be such a, that's undoubtedly a top 10 episode. Um, just like the Carrie Gress one is. Um, so I want to hype that up. My engagement's been shit because Instagram puts me in quiet jail all the time because I post stuff about the Rona that they don't like. Um, and so I'm going to do some of that stuff, right? I'm still going to relax. I'm going to watch some football, uh, watch Cowboys 49ers game here in a couple hours. And I'm going to have a relaxing day, but I'm going to have uh, read, prayed, went to mass today. Um yeah. Walk my dog. Like you just do it. Right. We had breakfast together. We're doing some wedding planning stuff today. Uh, cleaning up my house with I'm packing the Christmas tree up after this and uh, got to wash the bathroom and vacuum. And it's like, just write out your list and execute, man. You have time. Oh, and the other thing I'm doing this year is I'm going to have volunteered like a hundred hours because I do, man, we're volunteering like crazy with Emily's program. It's a really intense first two months of the year, but uh it's just like, it's just what you do. You know, I'm trying to join a Bible study still and play basketball on Tuesday nights. And everybody, it's like, I've had family members and friends who are just like, oh, you, you're too busy and all this. And it's like, I still feel like I just have time where I'm just like laying on my butt, not doing anything. You know, I'm just like, people just have like this capacity where they feel like the need to lay on their ass and not do anything for like four hours a day. And it's like, for what, you know, why do that? Just wake up earlier, whatever your passion is, just find something to to start doing it, you know? Um, but anyways, those are my thoughts to end this. I hope you enjoyed this. I hope that you actually take some practical steps and, and make progress towards your financial goals. If you have questions, please hit us up. If this was helpful, please share it. As I said, you know, I don't, I don't say this to be like a, woe is me. I don't really give a damn. And, and I love my job. So I'm not really like in a rush to make this like profitable or whatever, but if this is helpful for you, share it. Um, and, uh, the reason is because we just, I mean, I get one star ratings. I get uh, hate. I get, uh, you know, put in Instagram jail and stuff because I say things that I'm not supposed to. And so, um, so yeah. So if, if you, if you would share it, if you'd share it on social media, if you send it to a friend or whatever, we greatly appreciate it. If you don't want to, then don't. Um, but either way, know that we're praying for you. I hope that this was a blessing to you. Hope this will help you to fight hard and continue to try to be your blessed. God bless you.